today's guest is a wonderful man that I met all the way back in the Barcelona days, the very beginning of a huge travel journey that I did. And to some extent, I would say that it's been this beautiful journey of watch, watching Gotham here grow, uh, this beautiful company called Life Plugin, that it was so funny, and this is what we're gonna get into today, he originally taught me all about how it was an offline company where they're gonna do personal development, they're gonna do spiritual growth, they're gonna do bonding and connection for people, transforming education for the future of the world in an offline way where it's all focused on live events. And that's why today's conversation is so exciting because Gotham has probably got just so much wisdom from this year of COVID-19 hitting across the globe. And he's had to transform the company, obviously, to something that can be done online with that offline soul and heart built into it. So we're gonna talk a lot about that today and quite a bit about his own experience of connection and why that became important to him and how he's seen it become important to other people and why he chose to go offline in the first place. And maybe a couple questions about his you know, close friend circle. And I'm sure we can dig in a little bit to mm -hmm. the magic of relationships with you and Celia and share some of your wisdom on that in today's interview as well. So Gotham is just the ultimate figure, another one of these great people that just really represents the whole Fafillionaire brand, you know, and he's just an incredible person. And let's put that mug up, put that mug up to the screen. You gotta show go. people this thing. Do what others say cannot be done. Love it. Gotham travels with this mug everywhere he goes, which is a huge part <laughs> of your story. Yeah. So back me up. What, what is life plugin? Mm. Very interesting. Well, first of all, thank you for these extremely kind, generous words uh, to start the interview with. I, you know, the way you started just took me back into 2017 and I remembered how we met, like where we were, what you said in the, like the first thing. And you say, hey, we got to hang out. Uh, I've, like somebody told you about me, like some Mind Valley employee because we were working in Mind Valley at the time. It just came rushing back in. So I'm, I'm super grateful for this conversation. Um, what is the story behind Life Plugin? Is, is that it, right? What's the question? But also, how, what, what do you remember the first time we met? Yeah. Because I don't even remember that. I remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I remember. What was it? We were, I think, I'm not sure if it was on the third floor or the ground floor where the, where the whole conference happened for Mind Valley U. And you came up to me and I think you were friends with Zenas or hanging out with the other Mind Valley guys. I said, yo, I've heard uh, this is the guy I have, to, I have to hang out with. I was like flattered. I'm, I know that I'm used to this. You know, Americans are super good with flattery. And you, you came to me and said, hey, I've heard that this is the guy I need to be speaking to at, at Mind Valley University. You want to have a coffee or something? And that's, the, that's our first interaction. And I remembered because Zenas had told me about you because he's, he said, hey, I met this really cool guy and you know, I've been hanging out with him. So I, I had heard about you, but I didn't know who you were. And then you came and introduced yourself to me like this. So that's the memory I remember. Mm. I don't know if, you, if, if it comes back to you now. It does now. It does now. And I remember, uh, you know, with a lot of things back in Mind Valley U Barcelona days, being quite nervous about that too, mm. you know, but I think especially when you're like, I don't want to say I was intimidated by meeting you after everything people had said, but I was definitely like, wow, I feel like 
this is going to be, I'm going to have so many questions for this guy. Yeah, so now I, you're I being too kind. I remember like running up and I had so little time. <laughs> no, really, truly, truly. And even today, I would say I have such a, a series of questions to go through with you and so much that you could teach that I'm just, I'm curious to dig into it all. And let's hope, so, let's hope. Yeah, if you want to give a, a brief 60-second synopsis of what life plugin is now mm -hmm. and then maybe if you want to go into what is life plugin becoming mm. interesting so what we're in the business of uh, engineering experiences that create friendships in the context of growth that's my intention so every single experience that we want to put up offline or online now uh, is is centered around how can we engineer friendships in the context of growth and i think this is the most important uh, aspect of life plugin that you know I, I knew it feeling wise but i was able to articulate it throughout this year because i had i had to spend a lot of time reflecting on what is the core essence of the organization because we couldn't do offline experiences anymore so what we had to do was to go back to our drawing board see what is the core essence of of what every single thing life plugin does and then take that essence out and put it up in through different formats whichever one is available to us Right? So the essence is that every single thing that we're creating is to create a playground for growth. And there's a specific reason that I'm not using the word personal growth. And that's uh, you know, this is my recent obsession where I've been, uh, I'm very happy because Life Plugin is, is clearly, it's very clear to me that it's an anti-personal growth company. It's an anti-self-help company. And what we're in the business of is to create, how can we engineer experiences that allows friendships to form in the context of growth? And this is something that I call, you know, elevating friendships and we can go into this. And this is my new research subject for the next one and a half years, because I'm working on a project that will mm -hmm. center around, you know, what is this concept of elevating friendships? And obviously this has, this is a subject that has deeply touched me in my life. And so it's a very personal thing. So this is the essence of life plugin. That's what we do. So whether it's through uh, like 300 people, three day immersion or like a high-end uh, 10 people adventures around the world or through online uh, group immersion where we gather people together in an online setting but what kind of uh, curation of the programming you do that allows not just stage to audience or like person to like group learning but how can you engineer experiences even through online mediums that allows wisdom of people to come together at the same time it's not just you know oh everybody's wise and everybody has a lot of wisdom i get that and i really appreciate it but i also think if it is complemented with you know someone facilitating that experience someone who's who's given it a lot more thought who is really the embodiment of the things that are worth learning and when we combine these two things that's where the magic happens so whether it's through 300 people events or like a thousand people event that we are scheduling next year or like 10 people adventures that we do which are a bit high-end and more personal or like online memberships or online programs that we create. Every single thing is centered around creating a playground for growth. So that's the essence. Mm. So how do you, is there a story behind it? And how do you explain the difference between personal growth and where did you deviate growth? Mm. Yeah, I, so I'd been this year especially. So this, this year, like you mentioned in the beginning, you know, we were in the business of offline experiences, a bad business model to be in. And, uh, you know, I had to do a lot of thinking and that's what I realized. And the more sessions, the more guest speaking, the more, you know, 
things that, that we had to do online that I got invited for, that we were producing ourselves, the common theme that was emerging more, like stronger and stronger every time was mental health issues. And my, my recent TEDx talk was about uh, belonging. It's called Currency of Belonging. And so that was 2019. So I started doing this heavy research on the subject of loneliness and uh, what's happening in the world. And the idea of personal growth, the word personal, is one of the strongest things that is causing this sense of loneliness. What, you know, I love Vishen and he's changed my life, right? But one of his favorite, most revered quotes is like, grow so fast so that your friends have to get to know, all, get to know you all over again. That, that's the most bizarre thing to me. Like it's, it's like outgrowing your friends. It's, it's further perpetuating the sense of separatedness and sense of loneliness. Right? And the word self-help is, is just, it's just not resonating anymore. And it's, and it's, it's, it's you know, there's ma many reasons for it. One of them is like we've, we've glorified independence without realizing that like our success is not in our independence. It is in our interdependence. Right? So we glorify independence, entrepreneurs, self-made. There, there's no such thing as self-made. Literally, there is no such thing as self-made. Even, you know, I, uh, growing myself. Have you, have you seen that video on, uh, on kindness? There's this video, really sweet video. You would love it. it uh, it's a video about random acts of kindness. There's this girl who's walking on the sidewalk and she has a balloon in her hand, like a helium balloon, and she drops it. And then there's a construction worker catches the balloon because she was crying and her mother was walking and trying to console her and he just goes, catches the balloon and gives it to her. She gets a smile on her face, a random act of kindness. And then uh, the, the mother does something kind for some, another stranger and that another stranger does something kind for another stranger. And all the way the video ends, it's a beautiful, I think two minutes video. I saw it maybe 10, 15 years ago. And it comes back to the same guy, the same construction worker who's working out in the sun and it's really hot. So a random stranger gets, uh, gives him a glass of water, who was affected by the kindness of another stranger, and there's this whole chain. The idea is that, you know, when you're kind, like, it, like it's kindness just grows. It's not personal kindness. It's the same thing with, with growth. When you grow, it's no personal. Every, when you grow, humanity grows, if you think about it, right? So every fluctuation up or down, we are, you know, whose quote was it? Jason Silva. He mentioned it. It's not his quote. It said, rising tides must lift all ships. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like when you are growing, every single thing grows with you. Right? And when, when we think we are growing personally, we're not. Like somebody else facilitated our growth. And there's so many people, so many teachers that have influenced, you know, I'm sure your life, my life, that they never ask anything in return. Right? They did it just because. Right? So, and there's no, so I can't say I... I am who I am. I'm a self-made person. That, that idea doesn't exist, right? So for me, and I, I think I'm privileged because I grew up in India and I, I grew up in an extremely, not financially privileged, but relationally privileged environment. So I think this was deeply ingrained in my upbringing. And then I came to the Western world because I was fascinated by it, you know, sense of individuality, independence, because in developing countries, there's a lot more closeness, but a little less freedom. So I was drawn by freedom but not to the extreme edge of freedom that, that makes you extremely, extremely lonely, right? But there, there has to be a balance of self and connection to the others and understanding that how closely interdependent we are, not understanding it causes loneliness, not understanding it causes all the problems, thinking that we are independent and not in interdependent, we are ruining our environments as well. Same reason, because we don't acknowledge how interdependent we are as a species, right? It's the same, same reason why, you know, race clashes are happening, so many big problems, 
but the one that speaks to me that I'm most passionate about is is loneliness, right? Because I I and why this this concept of friendship is is so deeply ingrained in life plugin is because I believe like if every single person in this world has three to five close friends, three to five, no more, like that, that you can that push each other to grow, that you can be vulnerable with, you know, go wild with, and you know, have amazing time together. I don't think we need a personal growth industry. We, we don't, right? And look at the the world that we find ourselves in. It's a you know, it's it's not bad. It's just the state that we're in. We we don't have a concept of best friends. Like if you ask someone, who's your best friend? Best friend means by definition one, right? The top friend. Tell me the name. Right and right. If you ask my parents or generation before this, they they know their best friend. They ask them, yeah, straight one name, mm-hmm. right? And now because we are privileged, the world has become small enough, right? We change uh, our our location every every now and then, right? We keep on changing communities every now and then. The concept of friendship has disappeared. Connections has is disappearing or is becoming diluted, right? And we are moving away for what? Building independent lifestyles, you know, economic growth, all of those things, right? It has way stronger value for economic growth than, than connection, than friendships, right? So our communities used to give us a sense of belonging, we've let go of them. Our geographies also, you know, used to give us a sense of belonging, but now the, we're all global citizens, but don't belong anywhere. Religion used to give a sense of belonging, you know, one of the nice things, community, belonging, even health, right? But now because of the dogma attached to it, we abandon the story of religion, right? But when you abandon the story, you abandon every single benefit that comes with it. So. So we are right now, we, we are literally, we are social animals floating in this anti-social society, you know, moving to different places, letting go of our geographical anchors, religious anchors, you know, in the name of building independent lifestyles without acknowledging that independence is not the goal. Like our success lies in interdependence. And this is why like if you go to villages, communities, blue zones, they don't have therapists, they don't have coaches, they don't have mental health issues. They don't have mental health awareness campaigns, right? So what we're doing is we are cutting ourselves and then inventing band-aids. So that's, that's the kind of, at least my delusion about the, the state of the world. And I think there's a lot more people who so, resonate with it. So those are the people who come to join Life Plugin. Absolutely. I, I've never heard you describe this and I love it. I love it. So let me describe a story a common story that probably most of the, the viewers and listeners can relate to. Mm-hmm. And then hear your feedback about it, because I this is a common, very common thing, right? Especially over here. I, I can't think of an entrepreneur that I know in America that cannot relate to this story. When I was growing up, I had a very close circle of friends. I would say I had uh, Sebastian, James, Peter, Tim, who's actually in the other room right now. Um, Yeah, yeah, probably just that group, right? So that's kind of like the group, right? And then one of them was like my best friend, Sebastian, growing up from a very young age. And then at some point, I was still living in my hometown being like, you know, I feel like I'm hanging out with them all the time and I don't have as much ambition. I'm gonna move to a different state a thousand miles away, um, you know, 2000 kilometers away. And I'm going to go into like a hyperbolic time chamber if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan. And, you know, just like 
learn how to do a whole new skill and learn how to you know economically survive on my own and thrive mm -hmm. and i went and did that and then i came back to houston after three years of learning how to be a professional and making money and it didn't feel the same anymore and everybody else had not quote unquote grown as much mm -hmm. as i had and i, I felt like it was still great friendships, but like I didn't belong anymore. Mm -hmm. So then I left again, less than a year later to California to grow more, which I did and I made new friends. And then I left the corporation, started my own business and I got really successful. And then the friends I had made that were of that next growth stage, I felt like I didn't belong anymore. Mm -hmm. So I made new friends and then I got really bored with life and decided I need to push myself. So I went to Barcelona and I started traveling the world internationally <clears throat> as like a digital entrepreneur and then made new friends. And then the friends I made in Barcelona, eventually I got to a point where I was like, I don't really resonate with them necessarily anymore. And I found people I resonate with even more. So I made new friends. Mm -hmm. And then that group of friends is sort of like all the people that have been on this show where I'm like, these are people that inspire me all of the time that live with similar values to me. And in that light, I'd like to say that these are now my lifelong friends that I have found that are like truly inspiring people that I think I see a reflection of myself in them. And so I, I, I want to like, just hearing you talk about what life plugin is all about now, even compared to three years ago is so different and inspiring mm -hmm. that I'm like, wow, like, I just, I want to help and I want to hear about it. And I, you know, all these beautiful things. So this is a pretty common story, right? Where it's like, I can still be friends with those, all those different friend groups, but maybe they're no longer my very close friends. And I think the idea that you're helping put out there and, and I might be wrong about this. So I'm just saying it, defining that maybe a big P I had many different loneliness gaps in this period of making friends and I'm excellent at making friends. Not everyone is so outgoing and, and butterfly, you know, social ability. <clears throat> so then the question becomes, I think what you're saying is grow with your friends through all these phases and at least invite them to come along. Is that kind of what you're saying through this whole thing? Okay. There's a lot of things that popped up. Uh, since you mentioned the story, right? First, I would also like to define friends, right? There's the word friends to me, it's, it's sacred. Like I don't, like I, I, I'm careful not to, uh, you know, not to offend someone, but also not to use, because it takes commitment, right? Because what is friendship to me? You, once you have a strong friend circle, like it's, it's, it's such a blissful experience because your friend circle, you each, each friend is like, you know, the friendship is bigger than each friend inside it, right? Because that friendship becomes a safety net, right? So like right now, as far as bold, as crazy things that I want to do in my life, even alone, if all else fails, everything fails, I just have to make a phone call. And the safety net is right there, right? So the further we go away from the safety net, the further is the fall, the more is the fear uh, behind going about crazy things. So that's one idea to understand. It takes intention time and energy to build that safety net. And 
the reason that I, I want to come back to, I hope we can come back to the idea of the concept of toxic people, because we talk a lot about in the personal growth industry about, you know, get rid of toxic people. And we, we talk about that. Mm. I hope I can remember what I was saying. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, gotcha. yeah. So the idea of uh, friendships and what I am interested in is, you know, there a lot, uh, this is common thing in, in part of my research to hear that, yeah, Gotham, it's easy to say, you know, the friends that you can grow with, but my friends are, are not, uh, you know, they, they're not interested in growth. They, they are happy where they are. They're good friends, but they're not elevating friends. And that's the concept that I've been uh, developing and it'll get further developed for the next one and a half year. So I have to do strong research on it, which I'm really excited about. But the concept of, you know, why friendships is, is unique, but when you form friendships in the context of growth, that friendship is if if you are someone like we met in Mind Valley University, right? Twenty seventeen, the backdrop, Mind Valley University. Not all like most sessions. A lot of sessions were not as interesting. So a lot of them were. A lot of them weren't. Right? But the context was set for us to have conversations. And so even when we met, we didn't say, "Hey, what's the crazy personal growth thing that you're passionate about?" We said we just hung out. Right? But because that relationship was formed in the context of growth, that carries on. And for me, I got an early glimpse of that. When I was 19 years old, I was part of the world's last, largest youth-run organization. And that's where things shifted for me. I joined, it's called ISEC. And I joined ISEC on August 23rd, 2008. It's my second birthday. Right? And I joined, it changed everything for me. It's, it, it's a youth-run organization that focuses on youth leadership. So when you talk about leadership, a lot of growth concepts are there. So when you enter, you're like a 19 year old kid wants to party, like uh, cool guys, cool girls want to hang out. That's why you, that's why a lot of people join. Right? But once you are inside, because that context is set, right, all the relationships that you have are perpetually, you know, they're, they're, because they're formed in the context of growth, like even if the context changes, that element of growth and elevating each other remains. I joined that organization, what, 2008, 12 years ago? My co-founder is an ISEC alumni. I met him there. The guy who does all our filming and all our after movies, met him 12 years ago, right? Uh, like the guy who hosts, hosts was my best friend at the time in, in ISEC uh, from 2008, 12 years ago. All of those, like my intention when I was building Life Plugin, it was a privilege. We were in Mind Valley University. I was in the senior leadership team of Mind Valley. I was doing great. I was loving it. And so it was a privilege because I didn't have to start Life Plugin for money, right? We start, it started out as a passion project, not as a business at all. And it started with a Facebook Live at the, you know what's weird? At the exact Google coordinates. I was standing here doing my first ever Facebook Live video, asking my friends on Facebook, literally in this apartment, uh, because we were staying here three oh, years ago. Whoa. <laughs> and I, whoa. And I said, I wanna, like, every time I come back home, I, I miss having those kind of conversations. And I would, I would come home for, for Diwali and I would love to, you know, bring 30 people together and have conversations that I'm deeply passionate about. That's all I said. I was really nervous. Right? If you go backtrack Facebook Live, like the f early days uh, in my timeline, you'll see it. Mm -hmm. Right. So my intention was that and my friends started joining it. I was able to reconnect with them again in the context of growth. So I, 2008 to 2013, I, I got kind of disconnected, but because... I grew up, or maybe I was born to do it, whatever. Like I was, had strong inclination towards finding deep and meaningful connections and just friendships, not connections, because connection doesn't have the element of fun in it, right? the world in my head. Mm. So 
I wanted to come back to those old friendships because I had some of the most amazing times in my life. I have so many memories of tears in my eyes of laughter with all these guys that I'm talking about and also tears in our eyes for doing something extremely meaningful, right? Not just for ourselves, but also for each other, right? And those are the people, connections, I, I, I want to hold dear to myself, right? And also my, my biggest mentors have been my friends. My biggest mentees have also been my friends. So the idea of, you know, oh, let's, let's, let's help you. Let's help you out. Let's, let's give you some coaching. Let's give you some therapy is super bizarre to me. I don't think it, it would be a nice world to live in where therapy and coaching is not thrown around like, you know, you ask for one and then you get 10. And that's the world we live in right now. And there's this, um, I forget the name. There was this video of uh, like, fam uh, like celebrities in, in the US. Prince EA was one of them and some other guys, like celebrities uh, from different industries, have six, seven people having a men's circle conversation. You might remember it, like one or two years ago. I do. And th yep. there was this conversation. What's the name of that video? Do you know that, that, that organization? It was, I think it was something like... Uh, men something. Men's circle, men's, men talk about. Yeah, men talks yeah. or something. And in that video, the guy, he's talking to a psychologist, some expert, uh, about why is it that men don't share and, you know, we need therapy and all of that stuff. And the guy tells him, said, 30 years ago, the person who would know the most about people would be the bartender, then the barber, mm -hmm. then the priest, then the friends, then the family members, then potentially a therapist. And we've removed all first five. And we go straight. Oh, I'm alone. I have some problems. Go straight to the therapist because we don't have any other connections. And to me, I would love to change that. I would love to influence that. Because like my, my mission is to be the most inspiring friend I can ever be. Just for my friends. I, I love being openly biased towards my friends. Like I, On Life Plugin stage, one of my favorite things to do is because you know when you go to an event, especially when you're the main speaker, right, there, there's this stage effect, even if you're not good. I don't believe that I'm not good. But even if you're not good, you have this stage effect, right? Because you're on stage. And then there's a lot of fanboying and everything. And I go on stage, first thing that I tell them, like the first ever presentation is that, hey guys, I'm here because we, like my friends from around the world every six months come together. So you'll see me hanging out with them, right? And I won't be able to hang out with you. And this is why I come here to chill with them. And the intention is not for you to be friends with me, but like find your own three to five to 10, 10 friends within this group. And, and when you set that context, you set the backdrop. Right? When you set that context, I said, this is what I do. And I put pictures of a closing party, 8 a.m., our eyes, you know, super tired. And we've partied for like 10 hours and we just finished an eight-hour long gratitude circle. That's the picture I put up. And then I show other case studies of how other people are finding their friends, business partners, love partners within that ecosystem as well. So it sets the context. So it gives people permission to start looking for those things rather than saying, what can I, how can I grow more? How can I, how can I grow more? Yes, we, we do those things as well, a lot. And we are pretty good at that. That's something I'm really proud of. But that's not the point. The point is to remove the personal from the growth because the moment that happens, it's just extremely meaningful, at least to me. Mm. I love it. So what, what I'm hearing you say as a, a yes and is the goal is to find something either created in your life 
or find something life alike like a life plugin to build a lifelong circle of friends that you meet in this context of growth. Mm -hmm. So that is sort of... Let me correct that. So no, the goal, okay. if I have to tell every single person, what is the goal? Is to be an elevating friend, not find. Is to be an elevating friend. And that's the, defi I, that's the definition I want to coin. Like, what does it mean to be an elevating friend? Because there are, there are different types of friendships, right? Some that bring you down because, you know, unfortunate in that, in that dynamic. Some that don't elevate you, but they're really good friends. Like they care about you. And then there's this third, third type of people who elevate you. That's an elevating friend. But that's not an elevating friendship. They're also a distinction. An elevating friend is some, like I'm an elevating friend to a lot of people. They may not be, not a lot of people, like to a bunch of people who are called friends. And, but they don't elevate me, right? And then at the same time, there are few elevating friends to me that I may not elevate, right? But then there are systems where... Two friends come together and they are, they are like both elevating each other and the, the, the dynamic becomes way more powerful. That becomes like a vortex of energy that everybody who joins in becomes like, it's just infinite. Right? That, 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 that because of that relationship, right? So the relationship is friendship, but the intention is to be an elevating friend. What that means is that we have to let go of the idea that, oh, these are toxic people. The concept of toxic people. There's no toxic people. There's just toxic behaviors that happen in certain circumstances, right? There's, uh, Jack Confield gave an example of Sudoshi Roshi or some Mr. Roshi, Zen Master Roshi. And uh, he was talking about like, if only there was a, you know, there was a group of people who were evil, you know, were doing all these evil deeds, if we can all find them and just put them in a corner and just kill them all. It would be so easy, the world would be all positive. But the line between good and evil uplifting or toxicity it passes through every single one of our hearts right we all can be toxic to some and can be elevating to some we have both potential within us so what we need to like what i would love uh for people to acknowledge is is this, like if i'm speaking to you i'm speaking to myself as well it's my reminders to myself is to be an elevating friend what that means is you always speak to not to them but to their highest self you know there's there's people who who speak to you like they, when first you experience it, when you truly feel seen by sun, like, I don't know how, like, I remember it. I remember the date. It was like 11 years ago. It, it, when, when someone truly sees you for who you can be, it's like you, the most, one of the most euphoric, expansive experiences you can have. So you speak not to the person, but to their higher self. That's a trait of an elevating friend, right? You push them to grow, right? There are, there are it's not always comfortable. There are conflicts. But there are conflicts to push you to grow, right? It's not always easy, right? And, you know, they, you also need to be a growth-oriented person. Only then you'll be able to grow other people. But the intention of growth should come from, if I grow, I can help everybody else. And clearly, that being the primary objective makes a huge difference. So the intention is not to go find other people, right? It's to find that person within you. Because when we, when we do that, and this is where, you know, and you're a fan, I know, like a combination of science and esoteric, energetic stuff. When we bring that energy within us, that's the energy we're emulating. And that's the same energy that gets reciprocated, right? So when, you, when we try to become an elevating friend ourselves to every single interaction that we show up with, every single interaction is an opportunity to practice that muscle. And that energy, some, with some people, you'll have that dynamic where you're both elevating each other constantly. 
And when that happens, that's magic, right? And, and so the, uh, the intention is to define what does it mean to be an elevating friend. If you have to create an education curriculum, it needs to be not about personal growth. It's about how can we be someone that elevates other people. And in the context of friendship, like learning how to be a coach and therapist should be part of every single person's curriculum. There shouldn't be an industry of coaches. Or like I'm, I'm, I'm like I have a stronger aversion to, to to this idea because you know I, I see like. 23, 24 year old life coaches everywhere around me, at least because of my work and because Facebook warps my reality for whatever reason. I think it's not as useful. It's, it's, I would rather have everyone learn the abilities of what it is to coach so that you can coach your family member, so that you can coach your friend, right? And, and of course, there's, there's space for professionals who can really help people. But I think the idea of, oh, I can be a coach no, I, let me be an elevating friend and so that I can coach them and I'm also coachable at the same time. So that's the, that's the premise I think is more interesting because it keeps, it keeps the element of humility and you know, the mindset of learning, being a student of life, alive. So every time, this is why I repeat, my, repeat it to myself as well because it's easy as we grow in this, in, especially in the personal growth industry to, to be in that state where, you know, I'm, I'm, I know everything. I, I know this. I know this stuff. Right? And it, it blocks the moment. You know, you say I know it, you, you stop every potential information that can come after that. Right? And if you, if you really meet some personal growth legends, man, they are, they are not like I know that mindset at all. Like they're, they're the opposite. It, it's, it's beautiful to watch like someone like a Jack Canfield at the age of 75 in a mastermind that he organized for 50 people, just a small group. And then he's still sitting in the front row when somebody else is speaking with his notebook on. That's beautiful. And those are the kind of people I, I love to, you know, take some things from them because it's beautiful to learn. Yeah, absolutely. So then let me reflect this again. So you're saying the goal, maybe the the biggest lesson I'm taking from this is that we should seek to be elevating to all around us. And by doing that, we will naturally attract more elevating people and or create more elevating people. Correct? Hmm. I think the idea is that like the result is that there's just more happiness and fulfillment not because we will create it it's just a phenomena we every single thing that we do has a ripple effect when you are elevating someone just like when you're kind to someone right we can talk about kindness the same way if you are kind to someone then other people will be more kind and you can find people who are more kind to you yes same phenomena but the intention to not have a goal it's because like we've we are living in a reality where the concept of meaningful connections, knowing that someone will always have my back is not there anymore, right? Have strong social ties, social connections are not there anymore. And the most social connections happen when in a social, in a, uh, social setting, we're adding value to each other, right? When we are healing each other. I was reading this, you know, this recently this book by Lynn McTaggart, Power of Eight. What they found, you know, you know, the Maharishi effect, 
you know, where you've heard about it or no? Yeah, but go ahead and explain. So Maharishi effect, well, I think it was done in 1992. They did an experiment where a bunch of serious meditators meditated, like a lot of them, to, for bringing more peace to a city. And during the period of the meditation, they started noticing the crime rates went down and a lot of other markers going down. Wasn't as crazily scientifically measured, but they were seeing that correlation. Then this woman did a bunch of peace experiments, one with uh, Sri Lanka, one with Palestine, and they started and they measured it really, really strongly. This book is really, really cool. And they created this, uh, it made it undeniable that we're all kind of uh, part of this, this psychic internet. You know, that, and to log into the psychic internet, you need collective intention. You know, same intention, power of intention is, is super, super powerful. And then she, it led her into creating smaller groups and power of eight. So she was doing group therapies for groups of eight people where you gather people in, in a group of eight and one of them goes into the hot seat and says what their problem is or what they want to heal. And they're trusted with physical ailments. And then everybody will have a clear intention and they will pray and meditate and send intention at the same time to that person. What's bizarre is people, they collected stories which are wilder than Harry Potter stories, where people getting healings and uh, transforming just through the group uh, prayer sessions. And, what, uh, and she was, what she was discovering was that this is the same phenomenon that has been there as long as you go in our history, from, uh, from Christianity, and they talk about how Jesus acknowledged this really, really well, and they had a strong uh, emphasis on prayer circles, prayer groups. Same with Judaism to ancient shamanic practices. It's always group healing. But here's where it gets crazy. When you start, you know, when you're giving healing, right? When you're having intention for the group or for like a global peace experiment, what started happening is that if you're praying for peace for somebody else, your life becomes more peaceful. They started realizing, oh shit, this is crazy. If you're giving healing to somebody else, you are getting healed. And, and they started acknowledging these things and what they understood is that, hey, let's turn it on its head rather than thinking who needs to get healed. Like think who is giving the healing and the act of giving itself was the thing that was creating transformation. So now imagine being part of a group or a community, whatever, that, whatever version of that you have, right? Where just hold, you holding positive intention for somebody else, genuine positive intention for somebody else makes a positive difference in your life, right? And you can look at the biomarkers. One of the things that, that it does is boost oxytocin in your system, which reduces inflammation, boosts immunity, all of that stuff. This, she referred to this book called Why Kindness is Good for You by David Hamilton, I think, who talks about just this, like how kindness can, is having a physiological response in our, in, in our body. Right? So it, it puts... It turns, you know, self-help self industry on its head where it's not about how can I grow, but if, if you start growing or elevating somebody else just with that intention, you start elevating, you start healing, you start transforming, right? So this group dynamic always comes into, comes to rescue and it always creates fulfillment. So my intention is how can I create a backdrop of growth, right, where and how is the programming run that you don't engineer friendships, you never can, but that allows connections to form that slowly develop into friendships, but that's done in the context of growth and not personal growth. Mm -hmm. Removing the word personal from 
this whole growth industry, hustle industry, independent industry, self-made, all of that stuff, right? And just focus on like when one person grows, everybody grows because they're part of that larger collective. So that's the, does that answer your question now? Like is, that's the intention. Yeah, that takes us a whole step further. So then as another reflection of this, I, I love this idea of, I've got two thoughts. So it's like, for my example, my story that I, I think a lot of people can relate to, especially in America, mm -hmm. American culture, North American culture, U.S. culture, I should say. Yeah. I don't want to include South America in there because I don't understand. I've never been actually. So when I felt like, maybe to a large extent, I, I felt like I was like an elevating person to a lot of different people around me but that I was not feeling that elevation response from people. You know, it wasn't like the same, I wasn't getting that um, direct, uh, I just, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to seek out people that were like me as well, yeah. right? I wanted to seek out, I guess, without putting the words to it, and I'm so glad people can hear this now and, and see you and know that this exists, to seek out other elevating people or friendships in that could form in the context of growth while being able to give back to the community and be able to be that elevating person for the community that you're from, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's sort of this togetherness or this meshing of the ideas is that, yes, seek out friends in the context of growth for life, always in life, similarly to like you never know everything. You also could also form a new beautiful friendship any day. Mm -hmm. There could be a new person that you meet in that context of growth, or maybe not even in the context of growth, but then you, with that elevating mindset, right, mm -hmm. they come into the context of growth later. So I think that's like this beautiful merger yeah. that we're talking about, right? Is yeah. like being the elevating person for everyone and also seeking elevating friendships forever, right? Yeah. Or seeking, so yes, being the elevating friend, it's the idea, interdependence, what it means is not codependence, right? So it's like keeping the, it's the tension between the self and the others. Right? And that tension needs to be there, right? So you're elevating for other people. And if you're seeking uh, fulfillment for yourself, also do that. But right now, the, the reason why we didn't talk about that relationship, it's, to me, it's Captain Obvious. And uh, uh, we, we are, the, the problem, the situation that we are in, that we find ourselves in, is that we are overemphasizing on one side of the spectrum without acknowledging that, like the other side of the spectrum is maybe codependence, right? but interdependence in the middle, that's where the real juice is, that's where fulfillment, growth, elevation all really lies, right? And to me, that's what I'm chasing, right? So look at our, like we, from early on in our life, including our education system, this is why I think hindsight 2020, that's why I started in the realm of education and talking about how uh, we can drive our own education. But right from our education, we, we are educated on what? Think about yourself. Outgrow everybody else, right? Asking for help is bad. It's called cheating, right? So right from very early on, like from early on, we are, we are uh, educating and over-educating. You know, there, there would be a nice curriculum if there was like you equal you get equal points or marks for you know ex excelling in in different 
uh, domains at the same time equal points for you know uh, you doing something collectively together something that elevates the entire class maybe or the you know the group assignments right equal weightage but right now it's like when i was in my education system it was 90 or 95 percent and five percent right so that's how we start our education that's how we start learning about the world and then we go into you know glorifying independence like what do we talk about the greatest like what's the greatest thing like self-made people like who are the role models like they, they did it all by themselves and we warp the reality and start the na those narratives they stay with us because especially those narratives are communicated in an inspirational story format that's the most powerful way to teach anything right and the, the deeper we go and there's very few people part of my research is to find who are role model elevating friends I, I, there's very few I want to I want to so, interview them. So maybe uh, it's funny because so the kids and I have been listening to the books first, but then watching, uh, I think, a great example of this, which is Harry Potter. Mm. Oh, yes. Um, because it's always Ron, Hermione and Harry. Yeah. Right. And they always have help from like Dumbledore or Hagrid or Snape or all these different characters. But it's always this. It's like you, there. Vadim, and Celia, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yes, this is like, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm doing you got, life plugging. You're hairy. You're hairy. I'm just building life plugging. Really, if you want to know the secret, the secret is I'm building life plugging just to honor my friends, just so that I can go on the biggest stages and I can talk about them and tell them how amazing uh, these people are. That would be the biggest thing that I could do. Makes me emotional. That's how they've uplifted my life. That's how much, right? And so, yeah, I'm, these are my muse. Like my relationships with these guys oh, are my muse. Whoa, okay. I have a great question for you yeah. that I think will will patch up the missing piece in my brain in this theory so far. Okay. Who were your friends before your close friend circle now? How did that form? Mm. <clears throat> and what can we learn from your example? Ooh. Ooh, you're good, man. You're good. Mm -hmm. So in, when I was in school, um, I had four friends. We were a group of four friends. Tanuj, Mayank, Shanky. I was the fourth one. That actually gave me my first friendship trauma. Like when, when I was, I was thrown away from that group and then came back and that, that developed my psyche in a certain way that I thank them for now. Mm -hmm. But that was my core group. And for how long? Like Mayank, one of the uh, three ones, was the, the, from the first day I entered school in my life till the end, like until, until I went to university and until, so like 20 years we were friends, right? So for that long, right? And then uh, Tanoj and Shanky, they, they, so we became like a really close group and we were there for like six, seven years and, you know, university time came. So you had to separate for the first time. You had to go to different universities, but we still kept in touch. But when I went to my university, I was in a different place, uh, you know, like different place emotionally as well. And then I joined ISEC. After, after spending first year in university, and I was still in touch with them, and I joined ISEC. And because of the wounds that I carried and, you know, traumas, and I was looking for something different and trying to uh, find, is there something more to life than engineering? And I joined ISEC. That's why I remember the date. Right. I joined ISEC and it changed everything to me. Right. And my friends from that time are still my friends today. Like I, I told you that in the beginning of this, this, this call. My, uh, 
one of them is my business partner the other one i told him i'm gonna like he worked for us and then he was so good went to mind valley he's in mind valley now and i told him i'm gonna steal you in the next one or two years so he's coming back right his his girlfriend now wife is is part of life plugin um the the third close friend that we had is because we couldn't find another way to reconnect and we want to hang we wanted to hang out so i started asking him to host our events so he's the host so we and i told him again in the next one to two years we are stealing you and you're going to come in uh the life plugin community so uh to me these were my friends when i joined like 2008 and so that's the second the the first change in friend circle happened in my life first transition and then the second transition happened when i joined mind valley right so one of the first friends that i made was ronan like and that his name is not here but he's part of the list he's the fourth one right so that's ronan right so ronan and i were roommates and then vadim was in second roommate when i had moved out so then we three of us became we hit it off instantly right so that's how the second group came into being but this time this is when i started life plugin and i something called me back to india to do these events and in a way you know bring my old friends and merge the two groups i don't know if it's this is where it gets spiritual for me because maybe i was it was pointing in that direction to you know acknowledge the value of these friendships so much more in in a much different context that i left i went away and i remembered how amazing i felt like how expansive i felt to the point where i said you know in school i thought like we would be friends for life and then we weren't because i joined isec and isec was literally like a sec different birthday i was born again right so i said okay these ones i'm sure we will be friends for life and then i went and felt like again in mind valley and so it's it's a beautiful thing that we can feel this this euphoria sense of so much expansion but then this time i something called me back to that old group old environment and we went back and then now both of these groups are merged together right and this so to me all of them are like there's about 10 15 names that i can name which are my friends list but elevating friendships close friends it takes a bigger commitment i i moved to barcelona because we made a commitment hey vadim and i we want to engineer our lives in a way that we'll move together in different cities so we are always close otherwise it disappears it takes consciousness right all the other friends couldn't do it right and so the close people celia i married it was easy ronan was left in kuala <laughs> ronan was left in kuala lumpur but he started feeling it and he's the one who who's the most single individual like he's a teacher like a buddha doesn't need much connections he's outside the usual spectrum but he started feeling it and now he moved to europe he's moving to europe in december right so we are conscious about the fact that the proximity plays a role if we want to keep this maintain this relationship proximity is important and with india if we want to maintain that relationship life plugin summit was important so that we can meet every 6 months and once every 6 months was not good enough anymore so we created another event where we can hang out with just the closest people 10 people event right so and of those 10 10 participants and then four friends we run the whole event right and we go through the entire process together not relevant but we decided hey we need more opportunities so that we can reconnect again in different contexts that we are setting and because i just happen to be passionate about personal growth it influenced my life quite a bit so that's the context that we set every single time right so it becomes so friendship it does require consciousness as well right so even no matter where we how far we want to move we can right that's the sense of individuality which we need to maintain and we honor that about each other that's one of the principles 
of being in a relationship which is elevating, right? Relationship being elevating, right? There's a sense of individuality, sense of growth alone, but you know that the other person, like, you're not going to go too far. Like, if I'm growing too far and if Sebadim is here, I'm going to lift him up because not fun anymore. If he's going too far and I'm behind, he's going to lift me up. It's not fun anymore, right? So it takes that consciousness. I think it took me a few experiences of moving from one location to another, having really, like, every time I left, I cried. And the, the only times I left, like, the only times I've cried, the few times were in these moments of separation. That's all. Like, and I've cried, like, I've cried like I've never cried before. Like, and there's like three, four times in my life. And every single time it was in those moments of separation, even though I was heading towards success in different ways, uh, different definitions, but it just didn't, it wasn't resonating in my heart because I, biologically, I, it's telling me that's more important, right? And I'm choosing to follow the culture scape that vision calls it, or the current narrative that no, you have to uh, be independent, build yourself, right? Just go alone, outgrow your friends, grow, your grow so far that you have to, your friends have to get to know you all over again every six months. And then later vision change it to every one month because you have to take a quest a month, <laughs> right? And, and that's his core. But to me, the difference also became clear that that's his core, but it's a very lonely journey. To me, my heart lies in, because I was deeply influenced and touched by deep friendships, really, they, they've saved my life. So for me, it's just every single thing I'm doing is to just to be able to honor them on a bigger stage, on a bigger stage. I want to tell the whole world about how amazing people like that, having people like that in your life can be. Right? And at the same time, trying to understand and remember, which is my limiting beliefs that stop me, to remember that I also play the same part for them. Right? Because it's easy for me to understand that ah, they play such an important role in my, in my life and I forget that I play the same for them. So we have every six months, this is why we have a gratitude circle every six months, to remind each other that, hey, let's, let's center ourselves back into this deep, authentic vortex that we call this, this friendship. It's almost spiritual. There's no definition. There's no vocabulary. We'll have to create one. To what is, this is deeper than friendship. Right? The way the word friendship is used. And so what I find is that, and what I'm seeing here, which is really unique about your friend circle, that is different than mine, is like, and I, I think people will be able to relate, I have a very deep friendship with like this character. Let's say Kyle, mm -hmm. right? very very deep friendship and then i have a very very deep friendship with say like jason goldberg mm -hmm. or where it's very deep but between them is not as deep mm. right we can create opportunities for their friendship to deepen because i know they'll love each other when they get to know each other like that right and then i have a very deep friendship with say Lori, mm -hmm. uh who doesn't necessarily have a deep friendship with kyle and doesn't necessarily have a deep friendship with jason yeah but you have crafted, and it sounds like very intentionally, a deepening amidst your friendships so that it's a circle rather than like this uh, one-off thing between you and then, and then occasionally you bring them together mm -hmm. type of thing, right? That's a very interesting point and I will give it a deeper thought because th th this is true, right? Because I think one of the reasons is I, I think I just got lucky but it was important to me. And I also acknowledge there's a lot of friendships 
because I'm also very careful of not mixing the two groups. Like it, it, it takes a huge resistance for me to like, uh, you know, like mixing two groups because I know it's not fun. Like it's like a bit like clunky and stuff. So not huge resistance. Like I'm mindful that. So I acknowledge the, the idea of like, you know, not everybody can connect with everybody else. But I wonder like what are the, and it's not to, I would start to question one of the things would be what is the intention behind like how did that friendship start? Like, you know, that, that context. And so I would start with, with that. Like, why is it, is it one to many? And it can be, it can be, there's, there's a lot which are one to one for me as well. Right. But there's always a home group for me, or at least for me, there's always a home group, something that I can call my home that gives me the feeling of home. Right. And without, and to me, in my experience, that's been helpful. It's been grounding. It's been, it's taken care of me when I was low and it's, it's, it's given me people to celebrate my biggest successes with authentically. And I knew that they would, they are happy for it as if it's their own success. And I was certain about it. Right. So that gives me this sense of home. And there's always, there's only three to five people in our life that we can be like that. Right. So I acknowledge that there is uh, these individual friendships that are formed, but we do meet every, every now and then uh, in a Mind Valley event. All the names that you mentioned, I'm not sure, Laurie, but Jason and, and Kyle and, and yourself, you have been at that Mind Valley event. But then we'll have to go into, and it's not pointed towards you. But how do you define that it's a deep friendship? Like when you say very deep friendship, but at the same time, throughout the event, how many times do you meet? Do you, is there a, like how many times do, do you gather together without any purpose? Right? Like purposeless, just coming together just because, even when you sit together without saying any words. It's beautiful and it's weird if you try to do it with people who are not very deep friends. Right? So I wonder, and I will have to, this, you gave me a very cool insight to think about, yes, these are individual deep friends. And what does it take for them to, what does it take for them to bond? Or like, how does this uh, dynamic work? I don't know. I wonder. But if there is a common so, context, a common space that you can uh, go into, it's a gradual process. At some point it will click. I feel spiritually, like we all here, like we have like a three to five spiritual buddies, our job is to find them. And if I, when I adopt that belief, like, yeah, we'll, we'll find them. How do we find them? By being in that energy all the time. Whenever, it's, whenever it shows up, it will connect because we're in that energy. So maybe that's the place I would look at it from because I, we started going deeper into, okay, now we need to be the best experts on the concept of friendship, definition of friendship, research, interview people. But at the same time, there's this synchronicity that needs to happen. The universe aligns. Like the, the way I met Celia or the way I met Vadim or the way I met Ronan, all of them were like synchronous moments. So it's not about engineering that environment, but how do you, how do you have a space where that can happen? Because right now, most of the events that you go to, people carry business cards. People talk about what do you do first, right? Mind Valley is a, is a great example where they don't do it, right? And Mind Valley and both Life Plugin, the event inspiration comes from ISEC. That's why it is so powerful. Right? Vision was also part of ISEC, founder of Mind Valley for people who don't know, right? So a lot of the cultural things that, that you see at an AFS or Mind Valley U, where do you like sugar cubes, dancing, hugs? They're all there originating so I said, from 30, 40 years ago. I experienced that when I was 19. So imagine 18, 19 years old, connecting with people 
and having a different narrative to talk about. Talk about youth leadership, talk about global issues, talk about a collective problem to work towards. And that sets the context. It's a collective context. And in that you can find and form deep friendships. So I think that format is interesting to me. And the more times we engage in those formats, I think the reason, one of the reasons why it's so much fun, especially Mind Valley events, is so much fun, is because it sets a context and they let you be free. Like the degree to it, it lets you free for different events can be debated, right? Mm-hmm. But it lets you be free and you connect and you have the best time. There are events that, where the agenda was, I love Mind Valley, so it was not what I would expect from Mind Valley. And it was the highest rated AFES ever. How does that happen? Like for me, in my five AFS experiences, that was the lowest content-wise, but the highest rated experience because it's the same people coming together, engaging in that context once every six months. And that, you ask them, how was your experience? 10 on 10. Right? So Yep. And if you ask any of us why, you say because of the people, yeah. not because of the content. Yeah. So then because we're running short on time, I've got two questions that I think are critical here. And I like because of who you are and your relationship with Celia, I just I have to get at least some of your thoughts on this answer. How does this all work in the context of your significant other or relationships? Because should they be in that tight friend circle? And how does that mm. play? Like, how do, how do all of these concepts play into your significant other relationships? Yeah. <clears throat> the answer is that I don't know. And I find that not knowing beautiful because it's true. And we talked about it again, consciousness and like maturity. And I learned that both from Vadim and Celia. Like one of the reasons why the relationships are so deep is because we've been able to talk about the truths that would make me really uncomfortable to talk about. Like in relationship with Celia, like she would talk about things that I would be like, just let them in the feeling domain. I don't want to have put words to it and talk about it. It feels weird. Like a lot of those conversations, same with Vadim. And we talked about it. Hey, this is weird. This is like almost like we are in a relationship. And what does that mean? And then we laugh about, hey, you know, bromance, are you gay, you know, you know, in front of Celia. You know, and, and we acknowledge that, that, hey, this is something unique. But at the same time, we acknowledge because we were able to share our truth with each other. And we've had moments where the three of us and Ronan, four of us, have come together and talked about it. Like, this is what this relationship means. And this is, like, this is the essence of it. So it wouldn't bother me if something like this happens. And they would give extreme examples. And the, their ability of speaking the truth without any hesitation is something that has been inspirational for me, right? And that's the thing that I try to embody from them, both from Celia and Vadim. What, what's an example? <clears throat> um, like one of the examples, like with, uh, you know, Vadim's uh, persona, one of the examples was like, it was like a playboy or not playboy, like single, good with girls. I said, bro, even if uh, Celia comes to me and he was talking about it without any context of, of jealousy or anything, he said, we were just intoxicated. And we we're talking about how deep our friendship is and how much we will honor it. I said, bro, even if you know she comes to me, I'll say no. And even if you break up with her, like you know, I'll stay with your side. Like he told me that, right? So both of these things were like, ah, okay. It's it's clearly establishing like what does this relationship mean and to what extent? Hey, you never have to worry of her safety with me, right? You never, even if 
uh, even if she's going haywire, like you'd never have to worry. Right. And that, so that gives me certainty and trust with the relationship. Like who talks about these things? What is the context required to have this conversation? Hey, remember at that time she was my girlfriend. Uh, even she comes to me or like something happens, she's drunk or something. Uh, you can trust me completely. Not only I will act, but she, there has to be something wrong for her to do that. Uh, not only I will not act, but I will make sure that, you know, I protect her. You can trust me. Like we've had those conversations because we spent enough time together. And the only, th only direction you can go towards is deeper and deeper every single time you have a conversation. Right. So again, the kind of experiences that you choose, that we chose or that chose us were um, supportive of us to have these kind of conversations. And psychedelics is one of them. Right. We, we had these conversations where we're talking about unity and uh, completely going outside our ego and having, you know, we would take psychedelic substances and, and have conversations around this. Like, hey, what's important in life? What does this friendship mean? It's, all, it's, it's not friendship. It's almost something like spiritual. We don't have a word for it. So I think, and again, like we've, we've done different like travel experiences together, deeply vulnerable ex experiences we ended up having together. They're not triggered by psychedelics, but otherwise, right? So all those experiences combined, they allowed us to have these, these conversations that I never thought I would have. So the ability of speaking our truth, even when it's uncomfortable, right? That thing has created this sense of safety and certainty within the circle that there is no doubt and there's no no fear even to the point that even if even if any relationship breaks with Celia or with Vadim we know that like the friendship will still last I'm afraid of that even when I say it like I feel it in my heart the moment I said it but it, it's there we talked about it right so I guess yeah there's no advice but I think that we only have to be lucky like once to find these kind of people so I guess mm, truth. So then the other question is, and thank you for that answer in hindsight, um, when you left to go to Isaac, you know, you didn't, you didn't leave happy. I'm sure you left sad that you were leaving your friend circle that you had grown quite close to that initial, very tight knit group of four, you said. And then when you went to Isaac, you found that, wow, this is going to be a highly elevating experience where you probably met a lot of really great people. And then when you left Isaac to go to Mind Valley, you probably weren't thinking, I'm going to meet a new tight knit group of people, but you did, right? Mm. In hindsight, is there any conversation that you would recommend? Now that people have heard these stories, let's say there's a 20 year old who's getting ready to go on a journey like that, who is not necessarily seeking to like, up-level their friends, but after hearing this conversation might start to expect that that could happen. Is there a conversation you would recommend people have where they're going to likely, because like, yes, you still have those four friends from your school days, right? Mm -hmm. But no, you don't live in proximity and you don't spend the amount of time you used to with them, mm -hmm. right? Is there some conversation we we should have or do we just let that flow naturally mm. and just let the the skin shedding of a snake sort of thing with friendships just happen or do we have some sort of conversation so for instance let's say at some point 
your you join some like elite like genius network or something like that and you're going to move away for a year to do like this super saiyan adventure in business or elevating life plugin or something and you find that vadim celia and ronin can't go with you or don't want to do something like mm -hmm. that and you're like okay this might be an experience where there's like a whole new elevating friend circle that I get really close to mm -hmm. in it, right? All right? Well, A, are you open to that, to, to having another yeah. series of elevating friendships develop? And then B, would there be a conversation <clears throat> you would have with them beforehand? Hmm. Interesting. Okay, let's answer this question first. Um, the answer, if, I'm, if I would be open to it, Yes, but I'm not seeking it, but like, because my goal is to be that, be that friend, right? So because the moment, the, the reason why I like the term elevating friend, because it has the growth element and has the friendship element, which is to not expect anything in return. Right? I'm not going to a networking event to find friendship. Maybe I'll find one, but I've, I, I have an aversion when someone says networking events, don't want to go. Like masterminds, don't want to go, right? There's some beauty in it, but I have a, internal resistance to it right so my intention is to be that elevating friend and this happened to me last year 2019 i connected with two incredible people incredible people so in my experience what happened like panache is one of them panache desai is one of them he's the reason why i ended up meeting jack canfield and uh, going to costa rica with them right i was not i was completely out of place right? like they were really really far ahead in their journeys at least uh, professionally a professional success. So I, I was, I was there, and Panash took me there, and we had a great time. It was a, there was no intention for him to take me there, but like just because we formed such a deep bond, he took me there. Like we went together. Not he took me there. We went together. He offered, and I said yes, let's do it together. Right. And same thing happened with Shamal, who was also someone I met in February, right. And then what I did is that I, I invited them to our group because this is something I'm always talking about. So I say, hey, yeah, these are my friends. Like there's a group of 10 people that you can hang out with, connect with, blah, blah. And then they, this is my home. Celia, Vadim, Ronan, they're my home. Meet, meet them, right? And I connect them. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I have to, maybe this is where it's interesting, that one-to-one -one friendship. I, I maintain that one-to-one -one friendship with Panash, not as much with Celia and Vadim, but I, I maintain it, right? So I have that with, with Panash. It's beautiful. But my home still feels here, right? And I, you only have to... I wonder, like, you know, for someone who's a 20-year-old, they don't have to decide what's home for them, right? Like, at, at the age of 20. I think it's also something that hopefully people do only once in life, right? Or do, do it once and do it right. right? Pick, just have one person to marry and have, like, one best friend for life. That would be a great scenario. But how do you find that, right? So, to me, the intention is not to find that, but to be that. Like to not, I wish I have a best friend like that, but I wish I can be... A friend like that to other people, but that means that I have every single person I meet with, I just want to practice those traits, right? So if there's a 20-year-old who's going, changing their circles, say, okay, speak your truth, have this authentic conversation, there's the great connection, right? But I'm moving to a different place. If you feel hurt, you express that vulnerability, that connection, because often men don't do it. I don't know if how, I think women do it more. Men have initial more resistance to do it, especially when you're young. Right, so speak your truth, even when it's uncomfortable, and go to different places, but have the intention 
What we are trying to be is someone that without expecting anything from you in exchange, I will still like be kind to you. I will speak to your higher self. I will see you and not find uh, things to be jealous of. Sometimes I will because I'm human. But what I will focus on is to make sure that it's not something to be jealous of, but to admire and give you that admiration, right? to give you that love. And at the same time, treat myself the same way as well. Face the truth, even when it's uncomfortable. Admire myself, even with my flaws, right? Not have the sense of comparison in my own head, right? So in essence, it is the, a lot of philosophies that you learn in personal growth, but it's not, the goal is not personal growth. Like the goal is to like call it another, another form of growth is to the, the path is to how can I be an elevating friend? That's the working title, right? And that's what I would, I think I would offer where this is the, these are the things, these, this is my code of conduct to live my life by. So if I'm speaking that truth, I'm still speaking that truth to the other people and also have that ability. Hey, if proximity is not there, this relationship might fade out and that's fine. If you're 20 year old, you're experiencing new things, go out and play. But if you have that sense of safety, going out and playing, going out in the unknown also becomes more beautiful. Maybe the, the role that the roles that my past friends played in my school circle, the only role that they played is I knew that I was safe if all else fails. Right. And that's a beautiful role to play. Maybe we don't have to have a lifelong uh, friendship, but they did, they did, you know, advance my spiritual journey. They did advance my spiritual growth. You know, they, they gave me that sense of safety. They were there for me. They told me that they will be there for me. Right. And that gave me the ability to go out and go out into the unknown. Right now, the biggest fear is like inherent fear, right? Is to go out in the unknown. So if we are always being an elevating friend, we always know because we've been that true authentic source that gives a sense of home to a different degree to different people. Right. So you can always fall back onto it. Instead, the, the highly independent culture or like the extreme hardcore Wall Street culture. I'm meeting you because I want something from you. You know it. I know it. And we're still being nice to each other. And there's there's no you, you can't you can only count on it so long as there is something in it for them. Right. So that that level of authenticity comes from, you know, showing your true self bringing your darkness also in the relationship, shining light on it and being vulnerable with each other. And even talking about these, these dark things that you have in your mind. Hey, I think it's just about uh, this relationship is just about to get something from you. That was my initial intention. That's the kind of truth which is really uncomfortable. But if you want to deepen a friendship and if the, the friendship initially started because you wanted something, say it. It will actually help. It will actually help. That's what I wanted. But I just want to, you know, come clean. It will actually help you get that easier and in a more fulfilling way where you will not feel like an asshole within the whole time that, you know, I'm using the other person. Mm -hmm. If you tell them, hey, I want it. It is something that I want. And which is so funny because if it's an elevating friendship, which I feel like ours is, if, if you were to be like, hey, Skip, you know, just so you know, like the entire time we've been friends, I really would love for you to do blank. I'd be like, oh, I would love to do that. I would love to help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. True. Why, why didn't you say that like six years ago or whatever? And right. Think, you of, know? think about how much, you know, even with this thought, there is resistance, right? Because right now we, we haven't, when we talk about friendships, again, we haven't had that close proximity. We speak every six, once every six months or something, right? On an average, sometimes more, sometimes less, right? That's not a, 
uh, sign of when I, if I look about a friendship, deep friendship, every time we come, we feel like, ah, it's like nothing changed. That, that's a great place to start. That's a spark. But for that spark to become a fire takes... Well, and I think, yeah, I think this is the magic of what you're describing as the goal is I think maybe both of our intentions are to be just elevating friends to everyone. Yeah, just to be an elevating, not to everyone, right? just to be an elevating friend. What does it mean? And not, it's not about the other person anymore. It's just, what does it, what does it take for me to be an elevating friend? Like, what does it mean? And I practice that muscle every time in every interaction with a stranger, with someone I don't like, with someone I like, right? And, then, and this is a lifelong practice. I'm nowhere close to being a pro. I don't think it's a, the idea is to be a pro. It's still, I would still fall into those, you know, jealousy traps or comparison traps. But I think by now, because we've had those, we've peeled those layers of onions, the fact that I can talk about it comfortably is because, yeah, I know these feelings are normal. You can talk about it and then they go on the side. What's the essence is, is more deeper, right? So th th those things still keep on coming and going and they will, I, I guess, like part of human experience. But it's easier for me to not suppress them and keep them inside and keep on acting in resistance to them. But it's like, yeah, okay, this, this, is, this is what it is this time. Maybe I need to spend some time alone and not be in that space to influence them. Or if I can't handle it, there have been times where I have gone up to them and we've talked about it. I felt this. Mm. Yeah, we've had conversations about, I feel that I'm going to stop your growth. And, that, and the other person, funnily enough, and this is where like, you know, it gets emotional, said the same. Oh, it's crazy. I thought I'm going to, in future, like, stop your growth. You know? And like, okay, why is it even relevant? And that's where actually the conversation started. Hey, how about, let's just do this. Let's see how far this goes. We also don't know. At some point, maybe, like the, it's hard to envision or have this conversation, but maybe there will be relation, different relationships in the future. But at least, like, if that does happen, it would be a, you know, if, and it's a, if someone betrays somebody else, we talked about that as well. If someone betrays somebody else, mm -hmm. that would be the biggest spiritual journey that we can experience. So bring it on, right? I'm afraid of it, yeah. but I know that it, it will be there to teach me something so meaningful in life if that does happen, right? But, but the fact that we can have that conversation already gives me comfort that it won't happen from an ill intention, right? If it drifts away, it drifts away, we'll still talk about it. Life goes different ways if that does happen, if we can't control it. I mean, nothing is in control, right? The, except our intentions. So, so far, so good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, Gautam. When people listen to this, watch this, and just fall in love with everything that you're saying, where can they go to learn more? Where can they go to see more about Life Plugin and learn more about these ideas and concepts? How can they follow you? Mm, okay, so Instagram, best platform for like my name, uh, like Gotham Ketsubal. I think it'll be in the show notes or something. It's just my name if you find that, or Life Plugin. Uh, you'll find that on Instagram or the website, lifeplugin.com with a single G, life plugin, like an internet mm -hmm. plugin. So yeah, that, these would be the best places. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, 
this has just been amazing and enlightening. And I love all the personal stories that you put in there. And I love how we were able to kind of go through that experience and show people what that might look like too. And all these stories that you shared and, you know, it's so funny because I thought we were going to go a slightly different direction. Me too. I guess we'll go in episode <laughs> two at some point. Like what? But I, I just got so fascinated with this idea. And this is a new thing that you're working on right now, right? This new idea. Uh, the idea. So I had this, once we were able to articulate how it is like, we're not competing with any other personal growth company anymore. Like how, what, what is the intention? I was able to articulate it recently. And once we understood that nobody else is, is or not anyone that we know is thinking about this. So then my journey became, okay, now I need to start researching on it hardcore. So all the books, I need to start interviewing all the people. Like, but it's hard to find. Like if you're, if you're Nike, you ask who's, your, who's Nike's hero? Like this is a conversation with Jeffrey Perlman, Michael Jordan, right? So the emulation, perfect emulation of all the values, Nike's value of victory is Michael Jordan. Right, uh, Steve Jobs had Picasso, like Apple, Picasso, like that's their hero. Who's uh, Life Legends hero? And there's a few, two people actually, really qualified, three, four actually. First one, there's this guy called Claire, Claire something, Clarence Wyant. He has a documentary on Netflix, check it out, called The Black Godfather. Okay. Man. The Black Godfather. Oh, so good. And then there's another one, which I like it more because it also has sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's this guy, his name is Shep Gordon. Shep Gordon. Oh, legend. Mm, He's a legend. Mm, mm, so good. Superman. Superman. So good. And then there's Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan and Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek, I'm not too sure about what's his French dynamic, but I, like, as much as I've heard his personal stories, and he's the only guy who I've heard articulate this really well. He said that if you go to a bookstore, there's like rows and rows and rows of self-help. But there's no book to tell you how to help others, right? So this, and he, it's very prominent and his taglines are, you know, better together, take care of each other. And I think I, I'm finding these, I want to find these heroes. Joe Rogan does that as well. He has a group of friends that he will uplift them or will, you know, be openly biased towards. I like when, you know, when people can be openly biased towards their friend. I think it's one of the most beautiful feelings ever. Like to be openly biased towards, no, yeah, I will side with that even if it's wrong, even if it's unpopular. You know, so, and Joe Rogan does that as well. So I want to start, you know, start learning from them, interview them about the philosophy. Like, what do they think about it? Right? So I, I was going deeper into it. And somewhere down the line, it, there needs to be a book that covers the subject of whatever we are calling right now, elevating friendships. Uh, and to cover that subject uh, in a meaning and that adds value to, to people. Right? And at the same time, so that's my private project. And then how do you engineer more of these friendships, not just offline, uh, but in online experiences, how do you create environments where that can happen more easily is like, is my work research and work projects together with our team. So th that's what Beautiful. I meant with my projects. Well, I'm excited, man. Consider, consider me getting a few pre-orders there. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. I will ask, I will for sure ask you like if, also if, you or anyone who's listening, if, if, if you know a role model, someone who's like a global role model who honors his friendships like sacred, it's like send them my way. If there are books on the subject, I would love to read them. Right? And I'm, a, I'm an excellent student. This I know. 
right? So if you're giving, I wanna, I wanna learn them, I wanna study them. And this is why I started doing research on the magic of bringing people together. What's the basic magic? If you just bring people together, give them a shared intention, how magical it could be. And that's the research of Lynn McTaggart. And she wrote like three books. I've just read one of them so far. Lynn McTaggart, got it. And then you've done, what, uh, three, two TED Talks, right? TEDx. TEDx Talks. TEDx Talks, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. And what was the first one about? The first one, <laughs> you know it. It's like the thing that actually put me on the, on, uh, on the map. It was on like how can one sit in the driving seat of their learning and education. And that's the, that's the thing that, you know, exploded, went viral. And, you know, in two months, my life went from like at a certain level, my work at a certain level to like a level that you can't even see from this, in just two months. And it just happened, blessing, uh, some blessing. So it's called the Wheel of Modern Education. That's the, it has a funny story, which we will talk about next time. Uh, that was the first TEDx talk. And the second one was the currency of belonging. It's called currency of belonging. And the third one is going to be... You know, that's what we talked about. I will take the extracts from like a lot of yeah. these things that you asked me, like you made me think about them. So, and it's part of my research. So I'm, I'm super, really excited because now I get to sit with those questions and then think deeper about them. And the TED talk, TEDx or TED will come out of this conversation or like definitely some ideas would have been sparked from this conversation. Beautiful. And I hope the next one, I, I have many more interesting questions I'm excited about. Okay. Yeah, man. I would be happy to like, this was a fun conversation. It was good because like also got to catch up because of trying to do this, this podcast and delay it by two weeks. Thank you for delaying it because I got COVID. 